Good morning. We are um, moving right along in our sermon series on Mark's gospel. Uh, we are in Mark chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them. We're going to take a look this morning at the feeding of the 5,000. So as you locate the passage, I um, simply want to remind you, um, sort of the, one of the driving themes here of Mark's gospel um, is this idea of urgency. In fact, we've titled our sermon series um, as much. Uh, immediately, this word that appears over and over in Mark's gospel, we, immediately, the urgency of Jesus. The urgency of Jesus. And what we mean by this is, is this, that for Mark, and the way he presents Jesus to us, there is an urgency to the people in the story, and indeed for the readers of Mark's gospel, to discover Jesus' full and true identity. We're driven to consider Jesus' teaching and his miracles and ultimately his death and his resurrection and invited to come to an intentional conclusion about who Jesus is. Is he the Messiah, the Son of God, or is he a lunatic Galilean preacher that does not deserve a minute of our time? Those are kind of the options here with, with Jesus. Is he the Messiah and the Son of God, or is he, maybe he has some interesting teaching, but if he's crazy, well, we probably shouldn't pay much attention, right? We have to decide. Mark is not content for his readers to coast through life ambiguous or ambivalent about who Jesus is. That was true for the earliest readers of Mark's gospel and is true for us today. And so we must ask, who is this Jesus? Who is this man that can calm the storms? Who is this man that can heal the sick and cast out demons? Who is this man who sends his disciples out with authority and power to do the same. And our question today, who is this man that can feed thousands with five loaves and two fish? You know the story. You just heard it, right? Um, a little bit of background. It's been a tough week or a few weeks for Jesus and his disciples um, we heard last week from Corey about how uh, the disciples were commissioned and sent out, right, on mission to proclaim the kingdom and to, to, to work signs in the name of Jesus. And in the meantime, while they're gone, we learn of the death of John the Baptist. He had been in prison, right, and he's finally and gruesomely executed, and that news would have hit Jesus particularly hard. This was his cousin, his brother in the proclamation of the kingdom. The disciples certainly would have been a bit unnerved if they could do it to John the Baptist. Certainly the same could happen to them as well. And so when they return from mission, Jesus says, you know what? We need a retreat. Let's go to a desolate place. Now that doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but it does mean it's probably going to be quiet. And so they get on the boats and they head out, and they arrive at the other side, and when they get there, the crowd they were fleeing has beat them to the punch. They're on the other side. Imagine, perhaps, going on a nice romantic vacation with your husband or your wife, 
And you arrive and your children are waiting for you. (laughs) It probably felt like that. And what does Jesus do? He sees them, right? And if it was me, I'd be like, y'all got to get out of here. But he has compassion. He has compassion on them. Because he saw that they were like shepherds without a sheep, and he begins to teach them. And he teaches them all day and into the night, and finally the disciples are saying, all right, this is not a fun retreat, Jesus. Send them away. Let them go get some food. It's late. They're tired. We're tired. And Jesus looks at his disciples, and he says, no, you feed them. The disciples, of course, are They don't know what to do with that. They say, you want us to go buy a bunch of food that we can't afford and bring it back here to this desolate place and feed them? And Jesus says, well, tell me what you got. They say, we have five loaves and two fish. And so he has the crowd sit down. They sit down in groups. And he he takes the bread and the fish. And he blesses it and he breaks it and he gives the disciples and he says, give it to the people. And they give it to the people and they keep giving it to the people and they keep giving it to the people. And everyone eats and everyone is satisfied and they bring back 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Astonishing. And so we read this story. We hear about this event, and we have to ask the question, and Mark wants us to ask this question, who is this man? Who is Jesus? Well, there's at least two things that we can gather from this passage that we might say about Jesus. The one is the first is this, Jesus is the true shepherd of the sheep. Now, we often think about shepherding language in John's Gospel and Psalm 23, but, but it's implied in, in many of the Gospels, and it's said pretty clearly here in Mark's Gospel. We just looked at that there, verse 34. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. The crowds have been soaking up Jesus' teaching, Jesus' miracles, they're like a, a dry sponge that is getting poured into them from Jesus. They were so excited about him, they followed him around the lake, they even beat him to the other side. They were enamored with him for many different reasons, but one for sure is because he was providing them nourishment, spiritual nourishment. He was, he was bringing them in touch with God. These were a people who had been abandoned by the religious leaders of the day. The Jewish leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, the priests, they had abandoned their shepherding duties. Rather than than, than shepherding these people, rather than mediating between God and the people of Israel, they were concerned mostly for themselves. They were seeking instead power and status and prestige perhaps own personal favor and holiness before God. But their concern was certainly for themselves and not for the people that they were called to shepherd. And so here comes Jesus. He's teaching, right? He's healing. He's proclaiming the kingdom. He's showing compassion. He's come as a shepherd to his sheep, and he intends to bring his people into his kingdom. He's the true shepherd of the sheep. 
The second thing we want to say about Jesus from this passage is, is we see here that Jesus is he's a sustainer, right? He's a nourisher. He provides sustenance and nourishment to his people. But actually, even more than that in this passage, we see that Jesus is also creator. He is not only sustainer, but he is also creator. Let's see. Let's look at that for a little bit. It's quite apparent, pretty obvious from this story, that Jesus sustains and nourishes his followers, right? First, he does so with, with the teaching we just talked about, and he, he follows us up with feeding them. He gives them food. He nourishes them. Now, to be clear, there's, there, there's nothing particularly provocative about providing food for a crowd. Many of y'all can do that, and you do it quite well every Thanksgiving or Christmas. You can feed a crowd There's little to suggest even that the crowd realizes what's going on. I don't think they know that something amazing has just happened. But the disciples knew. The disciples knew. And it was not the fact that Jesus fed the crowd that had them so confounded. It was how he did it. Jesus took five loaves and two fish. He fed 5,000 people and he had leftovers. There's a miraculous feeding, a miraculous provision, a work of creation even. He created food when there was not enough. Now, this story echoes God's provision uh, through Moses to to provide manna in the wilderness. Do you remember that? The the Israelites were hungry, and, and God provided them every morning with bread from heaven, manna. And we have echoes of that here in this story. But at the same time, we see Jesus doing so much more than Moses. He was not simply mediating between the people and God. Jesus wasn't simply requesting the bread like Moses did. No, he provided the bread. He provided the fish. He provided the food. Jesus is not taking on the role of Moses in the wilderness He's taking on the role of God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who gives heavenly food. And Jesus is symbolically saying here, this is who I am. This is a miracle that we're going to learn at the end of the the next passage, um, that the disciples simply could not believe what they were seeing. They they could not believe it. So after the story... um, they, they leave. Uh, Jesus makes the disciples get into the boat to go ahead of him uh, to the other side. And, and you know the story. The storm comes up. Jesus walks on the water, right? And there at the end of that passage, verse 51, Jesus gets into the boat with them. The wind ceased, and the disciples were utterly astounded. Why? Well, he just walked on water. That's a pretty big deal. I'd be astounded too. Why were the disciples astounded? Because they did not understand about the loaves. Jesus walks on water, he calms the storm, he gets in the boat, and they're confused about the feeding of the 5,000 because of what that means about who Jesus is. So we see here an act of creation. This Jesus, the true shepherd of the sheep, is not only our sustainer, but he is a creator. He is somehow one with the creating God who made heaven and earth. 
So we have Jesus the shepherd and Jesus the sustainer and creator. What are the implications of that for us? Well, two things. Um, Jesus certainly is the shepherd of, of, of the folks in Mark's gospel, the crowds and the disciples, and, and he's the shepherd of us as well. He is our true shepherd. If Jesus is who he claims to be, and if he is who Mark is claiming him to be, then we must recognize that he holds all authority over our lives as well. He is our true shepherd. Now, some of you, I, I know you, and you're, you're probably thinking, well, I don't like the idea of having a shepherd. You know, I'm a leader. I am a shepherd. I don't need a shepherd. Okay, that's all very well and good. I know we've got some amazing leaders in this congregation. But at the same time, you need a shepherd. We are created for relationship with God. As, as part of how he made us was that we would be shepherded gently and lovingly by him. And we refuse to accept that right in the Garden of Eden and, and we made things pretty bad for ourselves. And, and now if we fail to see God's shepherding present in our, presence in our lives, we will shepherd ourselves right unto death. Sin has crept in. Evil has crept in. And we think of all other things that are great and fun to be our shepherds, and we reject the true shepherd, Jesus. But the simple fact of the matter is this. Something or someone is going to shepherd you whether you like it or not. And if it's not Jesus, it's going to be something else. It'll be the idols you create for yourself, the things in your life that you give ultimate importance to. And sometimes these are good things, right? We talk about this a lot, that, that sometimes we think good things that are, are gifts from God, and it, it could be, we, we could be blessed maybe um, financially or blessed with a loving family or, or just really love our jobs or, or the community we live in. These aren't bad things. These are good things. But when they become ultimate things, they lead us astray. And that's not to mention the, the secret sins of our hearts. If you were to examine your hearts, which I hope you will before we have our confession, if you would examine your hearts, you would know that there are vices and sins and deep, dark, recesses, recessed things that you don't want to tell anybody about. Those things will shepherd you. They will shepherd you. And they will shepherd you away from God. Jesus is the true shepherd, and he will guide us into life, not into death. And it's not just talking about guiding us into eternal life. Yes, we have that coming, praise the Lord. But he will guide us into the fullness of life even now. He's come that we might have life and have it abundantly because he is the true and good shepherd. Second thing, final thing to note is this. Jesus provides for and equips his sheep. If we recognize Jesus as our true shepherd, we can trust him to guide us and provide for us gently into the way of life. There are two things that Jesus gives the crowds in this passage, right? Two things. He gives them what? He gives them teaching and he gives them food. 
He gives them teaching and he gives them food. And I would suggest to you that he gives those same two things to us. When he saw the crowd, he saw that they were sheep without a shepherd, he, he began to teach them many things. And just as he taught the crowds, just as he taught the disciples, he is teaching us as well in, in many different ways. But, but the one way we can know for sure is through his word, through the scriptures. Jesus speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. The Bible, the scriptures speak to our hearts They transform us. They bring us into relationship with God. They bring us into relationship with each other. This is a living and active book. This is not an interesting history. This is not a fun collection of stories. This is the living Word of God. And through it, Jesus will shepherd our hearts. He teaches us many things. And he gives us food. He gives us food. Take a look at this with me. Look at verse 41. Jesus gets the bread and the fish, and he does four things with them there in verse 41. He takes the five loaves and two fish. That's one. He takes it. He looked up to heaven and said a blessing. He blesses it. And he broke the loaves. He breaks them. And then he gives them to the disciples to give to the people. Four things, right? He takes, he blesses, he breaks, and he gives. And he nourishes these people physically who have been with him all day long. Now, if you were to fast forward to chapter 14 of Mark's gospel, Jesus is the night before he's about to die, and he's having one final supper with his disciples, the last supper the institution of the Lord's Supper, and he has bread, right? And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to them and said, take, eat, this is my body. Do you see that? He takes, he blesses, he breaks, and he gives. I don't think Jesus is, is standing on this, the side of this hill in the desolate place thinking, okay, now we're going to do a preview of the Lord's Supper. I don't, I don't think it's like that. But I think the patterns of Scripture are important. And what we're seeing here is a foretaste of the way Jesus nourishes us. This crowd of people, the sheep without a shepherd, has come to Jesus And he gives them miraculous food to provide for them where they are hungry. We we see Jesus physically feeding the 5,000. And this physical feeding is a, a, a foretaste of the spiritual feeding that we receive in the Lord's Supper. If Jesus will miraculously give to these crowns when they are hungry, how much more will he provide spiritual food for those of us who so desperately need it? In the Lord's Supper, the bread and the wine are physical and tangible signs of the spiritual nourishment of our souls. It's a mystery, friends. But God has condescended himself to meet us in bread and wine, things we can taste, things we can touch, things we can smell. God meets us in them somehow. 
and He nourishes us. He invites us into the throne room to kneel at the feet of Jesus in His presence that we might have a foretaste of the life that awaits us. And so the Lord's Supper is, is about the future, but it equips us for the present, right? Because when you go out these doors, you're going to encounter, first of all, very humid weather. And secondly, a world that is broken and sinful, a world where evil reigns, where death has dominion. And it is easy to look at this world, it is easy even to look at the failings in our own hearts and despair and be despondent and wonder what the purpose of it all is. But when you can look back on the spiritual nourishment that Jesus gives us, when you can look back to what we receive in Holy Communion, to what what we are anticipating in the world to come, we can leave these doors with hope. We can leave these doors with the gospel on our lips. We can leave these doors proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, that He is our good and true shepherd, that He nourishes us with His word and with His sacrament, that we might have life eternal, and that we might have an abundance of life even today. Let us pray.